0: It's up for debate on KLJXLP Flagstaff, KJAC 107.1. I'm your host, Cade Reed. Thank you very much for tuning in today and make sure you tune in every single weekday on KJAC Sports Podcast, where I'll be bringing you the most debatable content in all of sports, only on Spotify. I wanna jump right in because we have a very great show today. We've got the Monday Night Football Recap. The football team blew out the Dallas Cowboys. The Falcons lost on a Todd Gurley touchdown and the Dodgers take the World Series lead. I wanna get into all of that, but first the Monday night football game. The Rams took on the Bears in two potential playoff teams going head to head and the Rams really dominated on both sides of the ball in this win. the Rams were up most of this game as they got an early lead seven nothing and they didn't lose the lead the entire time now the bears looked okay defensively they looked fine but offensively they have a real problem only putting up 10 points on the board the chicago bears didn't do much offensively especially since their only touchdown of the game came on an eddie jackson eight yard fumble return so the bears offense was completely stagnant all night outside of one 42 yard field goal in the second quarter from cairo santos but the Bears offense looked completely stagnant. Now, the running game has really been abysmal for the entire season for the Chicago Bears. They ran it 17 times, but couldn't even crack 50 yards, only going for 2.9 yards per carry. Their passing game wasn't much better as they threw for 261 yards, but couldn't get in the end zone and Nick Foles threw two interceptions. Now, a big comparison that I want to make is between Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Because we all remember Mitchell Trubisky got benched for Nick Foles because Mitchell Trubisky wasn't really playing all that well. And it wasn't a big surprise that Trubisky got benched. But now that we've seen some of Nick Foles and seen what he's been able to do, I just don't think there's much of a gap between the skill level of Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. In three games, Mitchell Trubisky averaged 215 yards per game. He had six touchdowns and three interceptions. He had an 87.4 passer rate. Nick Foles in five games this season has been honestly a little bit worse. He's averaging just over 10 yards per game more than Mitchell Trubisky at 227, but his touchdown to interception radio is, ratio is six to six. It's not good. And his QBR, his quarterback rating, his passer rating is 77.6, 10 points lower than Mitchell Trubisky, who is already having a bad season. So the Bears benching Mitchell Trubisky for Nick Foles is starting to look like a more questionable decision in my opinion. And the reason being is we know that Mitchell Trubisky is not a great quarterback, but Mitchell Trubisky does have youth on his side. He's a 26 year old quarterback. He went to a college at UNC where he really didn't see too much opportunity. And he was drafted super high overall because of one really great season. Nick Foles, on the other hand, we know what we're going to see from Nick Foles. He's 31 years old. He's been around the league. He won a Super Bowl, but really the best that we've seen out of Nick Foles is his Super Bowl win when he was a backup for the Eagles and eventually came in to start for the injured Carson Wentz. Now, I'm not saying that Nick Foles isn't a quality starter. I just don't think that he is capable of being a Super Bowl talent quarterback. And you're going to hear it from me all the time in regards to quarterbacks, Super Bowl level. There's a difference between a Super Bowl level quarterback and a not Super Bowl level quarterback. And if you go to all of the Super Bowls in the last couple of years, then you can just look at all of the teams and who their quarterback was. I mean, the quarterback position is the most important position in sports. Last year, the quarterback that won it, Patrick Mahomes. The year before that, Tom Brady. The year before that, Carson Wentz led the Eagles to the playoffs before Nick Foles finished it out. But if you keep looking down the list of quarterbacks who win Super Bowls, we got Tom Brady again, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. I mean, the list goes on and on, but is Nick Foles really a guy who can lead a team to a Super Bowl starting from the ground up? Now, Nick Foles led his team to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when, Philly, when the Eagles won, but Nick Foles wasn't the one who won all those regular season games. He wasn't the one who put them in the position to win the Super Bowl. And although this offense is really bad, this defense has been great. There's just not much for Nick Foles to work with. If he can't get the ball to Allen Robinson on a consistent basis and he can't get the ball down the field or in the end zone, why are they keeping him on the field? Now, Nick Foles, I don't think he is going to be a playoff level quarterback this season. I mean, the Bears' schedule moving forward just gets more and more difficult. And I know they have a five and two record and they've started out really strong, but their wins so far this season haven't come against the best teams, albeit they did beat the Buccaneers. Now, next on the agenda, they have the New Orleans Saints. And I think that's gonna be a tough matchup for Nick Foles defensively the saints have had some issues but offensively the saints are still a relatively good team i expect a low scoring game for that one but moving forward down the line they have the titans the packers and the vikings twice and they also have the bears or excuse me the texans as well who although they haven't looked too good are still a quality football team So the Chicago bears, although they have had this good start at five and two, I don't think they're really a playoff team. Now they are in the playoff race right now. They're in the wild card at the first wild card position, which is a good spot to be right now, especially when the Green Bay Packers are also in your division. One of the better teams this year, but with Chicago having Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles at the quarterback position, I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to win a playoff game if they make it that far. Now, the Rams, on the other hand, I think are the exact opposite story. The Rams offensively and defensively are both very, very good. And although Jared Groff isn't the best quarterback in the world, he's been a good quarterback this year. He averages 260 yards per game and his touchdown to interception ratio is 12 to 4. Now, the run game has also been much better for this rams team and they've gone out with a with a three-man backfield between daryl henderson malcolm brown and cam Akers, and they're all averaging more than four yards per carry so this rams team which just did beat up on the chicago bears the only score that the bears had was on a fumble recovery by eddie jackson like i said but the rams defensively held the bears in check And I know it's not the biggest thing to hold Nick Foles in check. It's not a huge deal, but Aaron Donald had a great game. They had a great game from Leonard Floyd who has been tremendous this season. But defensively, this team looks so stout and looks so unstoppable. With Jalen Ramsey playing really good ball, had an interception last night. With Aaron Donald having eight sacks on the season and four sacks from Leonard Floyd, This defense has just looked superb and they get after the quarterback at a tremendous rate. So the Rams and the Bears, although they both came into this game looking like playoff teams, looking like they could be potential Super Bowl threats, only one of them really proved that they are that level of team. And it's the Rams who were just there, who were just in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Now, obviously that Super Bowl didn't go the way they wanted to and that offense didn't really move. But if you're looking at it in terms of, can that team grow? Can the Rams be a Super Bowl team in the future after their loss to the Patriots? I think the answer is yes. Now offensively, they do need to get a little bit more stout. Jared Goff has been good, but he hasn't been great. And this offense really needs Jared Goff to step up and really be playing at that next level. And we haven't really seen that since his Super Bowl year. So if Jared Goff can really step up and have a great season, his wide receiver corpse is good enough, his running back group is good enough, I think this Rams team could make a deep playoff push. Now, beating the Bears isn't the biggest deal for an NFL team. I mean, they don't have the most talented offense, but defensively putting up the points that Jared Goff put against the Chicago Bears was a big deal the Bears defense is just tremendous and Jared Goff with two touchdowns no interceptions he stayed out of trouble and that's exactly what you want to do against the Chicago Bears team because if you get into trouble you throw an interception you start fumbling the ball the Bears are going to capitalize and like they did with the fumble recovery for a touchdown the only offensive score that this Bears team had so the Rams were able to take advantage of a very good defense and they're showing me that they really are capable of making a push into the playoffs. Now, the Bears, on the other hand, I don't think they're the same type of team. I don't think Nick Foles is that much better than Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, statistically, they've been the same quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky's actually probably been a little bit better, but the guy who has the experience in the big time games is going to be the starter. And I know that Nick Foles is the starter there, and Mitchell Trubisky are, are both battling for that job, but I don't think either of those guys is the real solution to the bears problem and the bears problem at that quarterback position i'm not sure if it will be solved because they just have no options on the free agency market they're in a position where they should have a good draft pick and i'm just not sure there's going to be a good enough quarterback available when they want to draft now we're going to talk a little bit more about quarterbacks later on but I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, the football team was blown or blew out the Cowboys. Stay tuned. The Washington football team completely dismantled the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Now this is a sign of things to come for Dallas is offensively, they were completely stagnant and defensively, they were unable to stop the Washington football team's offense. Now, the biggest problem I had during this game for the Cowboys was when Andy Dalton, the starting quarterback of this team went down with a concussion. John Bostic went in and hit Andy Dalton helmet to helmet in what was clearly a pretty dirty play. Now, the Cowboys did surround Andy Dalton and did go to his side, but there was no retaliation for John Bostic. I don't really like that for the Dallas Cowboys. Now I know that Andy Dalton isn't really the Cowboys quarterback and Dak Prescott is their guy but when Andy Dalton's on the field there's only Andy Dalton at that quarterback position. He's the leader of the team and when Andy Dalton got hit by John Bostic and there was no retaliation there was no defense of Andy Dalton it just kind of shows how separated this Dallas Cowboys team really is. I mean, is there really a player on that team who wanted to protect Andy Dalton in that situation? Now, Andy Dalton, who didn't have a good game, nine for 19, 75 yards and a pick, had a lot of issues in the pocket. Now, with an injured offensive line, the Dallas Cowboys were unable to protect Andy Dalton as he got sacked three times for a total of 30 yards lost. Now, when Andy Dalton went down, there was no retaliation. And I'm not a big fan of that because, When you go on to the football field it's really only you and your team you don't have a whole group of of fans or a, a whole group of people who are going to come out there and defend you the only people who can defend you are the people on the field and when Andy Dalton the starting quarterback the most important position on the field goes down with an injury takes a big hit from John Bostic and not a single Dallas Cowboy player gets up and and tries to get into John Bostic's face or try to separate Uh, John Bostic from the rest of his defense. I mean I just don't understand how the Cowboys had such a little care after such a big time hit on Andy Dalton. Now the hit aside the Dallas Cowboys had a lot of issues. Ben DiNucci came in to start for the Cowboys uh, in his first game or he He came in to relieve Andy Dalton in his first ever game played, and he did okay, but they didn't really have as many opportunities offensively as they would have liked to. And he did have two completions for 39 yards, but he was sacked three times on only six dropbacks. Not great for Ben DiNucci. And his offensive line has looked like they've completely given up. So the Dallas Cowboys are in a real sticky situation where they're in a playoff spot. They're just a game behind the Philadelphia Eagles. They're so close to being in that position, but they're still on the outside looking in. Now the Eagles at two, four, and one right now do hold the NFC East divisional spot, but the Cowboys at two and five are just a half game back. And the football team as well, just a half game back. So the Cowboys have a really tough decision to make. Are they going to keep pushing? Are they going to keep fighting for a playoff spot? Because... I mean, if you're asking me, I think the answer needs to be no. The Cowboys don't have a good enough team. They're not healthy enough. They're not ready to win a playoff game. And even if they did somehow make the playoffs, even if they somehow stumbled into the playoffs without their offensive line, without their quarterback, with all the injuries that they have, I think that it would be for none. They would just get knocked out by the first team they saw, which potentially could be the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals could be that final wild card team, and the Cowboys have already played them, and they didn't really have the best luck losing 38 to 10. So now they have two quarterbacks down. Ben DiNucci might have to be their starting quarterback next week, as Andy Dalton is going to be hurt, or he could still be hurt. But the Cowboys have a lot of issues that they need to address. And I think the first issue they need to address is their general manager issue. Jerry Jones is their general manager and he has been for years, but I just think his hand is too deep in the cookie jar. It's too deep in the cookie jar because he has too much of an interest in the team that I think he's just got the wrong idea of the direction this franchise needs to go offensively they just have superstars. Dak Prescott's been great. Zeke has been one of the best running backs in football. Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup is one of the best trio of wide receivers in all of the NFL. But still somehow this offense is unable to move. Still somehow they could only muster three points on the board against the Washington football team. Now I know that the football team has a better defense than last year as they got Chase Young and, and some improved players. A defensive line that is pretty talented, but if you're asking me, I think that the Dallas Cowboys are a worse team than they are showing. And the football team, although they blew out the Cowboys, aren't really all that talented. Now the Cowboys only putting three points on the board with all the offensive weapons they had is a bad sign for things to come. But when Andy Dalton goes down with an injury and nobody can get it done, I think it has to go to the coaching staff and the players on the field. Now the offensive line has been completely hurt. They've been so hurt this season. and I don't think there's any chance that they come back and are healthy by the end of the season. I don't think this team is going to be healthy by the end of the season. And in my opinion, this season is just a throwaway season for the Cowboys, but that's really not a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys because Last season was a throwaway season, and the season before was a throwaway season, and the Cowboys were supposed to finally step forward and be that playoff team, be the, the team that everybody thought they could be. Now, defensively, this team has had maybe the worst defense in all of the NFL so far this season, and it's been pretty evident. The defensive line has not gotten much pressure. The cornerbacks are on different pages, it seems, letting deep balls go. And there's been a ton of issues for this Cowboys team. Now, the first issue that needs to be solved is Everson Griffin needs to be traded. Now, Everson Griffin is a great player. He's very talented. But at 32 years old, he doesn't really help this Cowboys team very much, especially since they're not making a playoff push this year. Now, obviously, they still could make the playoffs. They still could could edge out the Eagles. But in my opinion, that's just not going to happen. The Eagles look like the better team, the more well-rounded team, and the Cowboys have just looked all over the place. And defensively, they've especially looked bad, especially at the defensive back position. Trayvon Diggs hasn't looked all that great. He's let up a lot of passes. Xavier Woods has also been in the wrong positions at the wrong time, and this Cowboys team has just been all over the place. Now, I'm not sure I'm going to blame the roster or the players for this because in my opinion, Mike McCarthy has been a terrible coach. And Jerry Jones, the guy who hired Mike McCarthy, wanted somebody who wasn't going to question the decisions that Jerry Jones makes. Because Jerry Jones's decisions are his decisions. And as the owner and general manager, there's really nobody who can check Jerry Jones. Now, we've seen that has become a problem before. Now, Bill O'Brien couldn't handle the role as general manager. and He got too much power. There was nobody checking him and checking his power, obviously, until he got fired. I think Jerry Jones is the same way, except for there's no chance Jerry Jones fires himself. There's no chance Jerry Jones relinquishes the role unless he really finally understands that he's the reason this Cowboy team isn't moving forward. Because quite frankly, nobody wants to work underneath Jerry Jones. Nobody wants to coach underneath Jerry Jones because he has his hands so deep in the cookie jar. He wants everything to go his way, and it's been that way for years. Now, the Dallas Cowboys are finally, finally showing just how bad of a team they can become without anybody checking Jerry Jones. Now, Jason Garrett losing his job was not because Jason Garrett was a bad head coach, and I think by all accounts, Jason Garrett was a good enough head coach to be a head coach in the NFL. But the problem was Jason Garrett wasn't able to do what he wanted to do. He wasn't able to build around the players that he thought were necessary for his scheme. And Jerry Jones, although he put together a decently good roster on the offensive side, has not been able to put together a roster defensively that can compete. Now there are big name players and they've gotten a lot of names during free agency, but they haven't had the best drafting in the last couple of years. Now with Demarcus Lawrence, who looked like he was going to be a superstar, not really showing up this season, not really being the best player that they expected him to be, the Cowboys have a bunch of decisions to make. Do they think that they could make the playoffs? If the answer is yes, then I think they should continue to push for the playoffs. But in my opinion, there's no chance this Cowboys team who just got blown out by the Washington football team is a playoff team. And there's no chance that Dak Prescott or this team without Dak Prescott would make the playoffs. I think they need a quarterback and Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton just aren't talented enough to lead their team to the finish line. Now, I think that there's a lot of different things that could happen this season, but For the Cowboys sake, if they're the bottom five team in the NFL, they have an opportunity to get a top tier draft pick. And with a pretty good quarterback class coming out and a lot of question marks with Dak Prescott and his future, this could be a good decision for the Cowboys to make. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, the Falcons lose on a Todd Gurley touchdown. Stay tuned. Todd Gurley made a crucial error in the Falcons loss to the Detroit Lions on Sunday. Welcome back to Up For Debate. I'm your host, Cade Reed, and the Atlanta Falcons had a great opportunity to beat the Detroit Lions. After falling 16 to 14 in the fourth quarter, the Atlanta Falcons got the ball back with plenty of time left to get in the field goal range and kick a game-winning field goal. That is until Todd Gurley on first and 10 ran it in for a 10-yard touchdown, and although this doesn't seem like a bad thing, Todd Gurley running it in for a touchdown, Todd Gurley gave the Detroit Lions too much time on the clock, and the Lions ended up going back down the field, scoring a touchdown, and winning the game on a Matt Prater extra point kick. So what happened on the play with Todd Gurley? How did Todd Gurley accidentally score a touchdown? How do you accidentally score a touchdown? Well, I'll try to break it down for you guys. Todd Gurley was running the football and the Falcons were trying to just get a couple of yards, trying to just kill the clock, cut the clock down as low as they could to try to push this game to the very end, take the clock down all the way so the Lions wouldn't have any time offensively to score the ball. But unfortunately for the Falcons, Todd Gurley from the 10 yard line broke a tackle and stumbled his way into the end zone. Now, the Falcons didn't want to score on this possession because they wanted to waste the clock. They wanted the Lions not to have any sort of opportunity. And unfortunately, because of Todd Gurley's touchdown, the opportunity came. And the Detroit Lions went right down the field and ended up winning the game on a final drive for the Detroit Lions. Now, the Detroit Lions didn't look like the worst team, but that final possession was a tremendous showing of how good Matthew Stafford is during these final drives. I mean, Matthew Stafford has just been tremendous throughout his entire career during these drives, and and it's been evident. When you're going down like you have been, when you're going down and falling behind in games like this, Lions team has been for such a long time, you're going to see Matthew Stafford fighting his way back. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Now, a lot of people look at this as a bad thing for the Atlanta Falcons. They ended up losing this game on a touchdown from Todd Gurley because TJ Hawkinson and the Detroit Lions were able to score on the next possession. But I think this is the best case scenario for the Atlanta Falcons the Atlanta Falcons don't want to make the playoffs and they're not going to make the playoffs this year. So every win that they get actually kind of hurts them. Now the draft position that they want to have is right up near the top, because if the Falcons want to move on from Matt Ryan, want to put themselves in the future rather than in the past, then it's time to draft a new quarterback and potentially trade Matt Ryan and see what kind of uh, what kind of picks or what kind of assets they can get in return. But for the Falcons, I think they have a perfect fit in Jalen Fields. Jalen Fields is one of the better quarterbacks in college football. And he's looked absolutely tremendous excuse me, Justin Fields, but Justin Fields has looked tremendous. And I think he would make a perfect fit for this Falcons offense. Now, if the Falcons end up winning that game against the Lions, I'm just not sure they get the same draft position. I'm just not sure they would be able to have the quarterback that they wanted available to them. Now, the Atlanta Falcons who have fallen to one and six have put themselves in great position to draft a quarterback at the top of the draft next year. And if they continue to lose, they're going to be in an even better position to reestablish themselves and just go for a slight rebuild. Now, the Falcons aren't in need of a complete rebuild. They are still a pretty good team, but they do need a couple positions filled completely. Now, their wide receiver and running back positions have both looked tremendous. Calvin Ridley has been a great wide receiver all year long. Julio Jones, we all know about Julio Jones. Russell Gage has stepped up, and Zacchaeus has really stepped up into that fourth wide receiver role. So, the wide receiver corps for the Falcons is good. Todd Gurley is a really talented running back. but They're really not winning games like they expect to win. And I don't think it's Matt Ryan's fault. I think this defense could use a lot of work, but the youth on this team has really positioned them in a good spot to go through a slight rebuild. Now a slight rebuild doesn't equate to a full on rebuild, but it gives them the opportunity to have higher draft picks and really go after the positions that they need. And if they do choose to move on from Matt Ryan, they have a perfect opportunity to do so. Now the Falcons are obviously not one of the worst teams in the NFL. They've been competitive in just about every single one of their games so far this season. The biggest loss that they had was against the Seahawks and the the Packers, where they lost by 13 and 14 points respectively. So they've been in each of these games they haven't looked as bad as the dallas cowboys have looked losing 25 to 3 to the washington football team but they have looked like they're a team that needs a little bit of a restart and in my opinion matt ryan and julio jones are the guys who need to be on the outside looking in by the trade deadline matt ryan has proven he can throw the ball and he's still a talented starting quarterback but he needs a team that's ready to compete now and is 100% there. And I just don't think that that's the Atlanta Falcons right now. I feel the same way about Julio Jones. Julio Jones is great and he's a great asset to have, but when this Falcons team is going to be real competitive, I think in the next two or three years, Julio Jones is gonna be out of his prime. He's not gonna be worth quite as much as he is right now. So I think the Falcons should move on from Matt Ryan, should move on from Julio Jones And just try to build up on those assets because the assets that they already have the players that they already have are all very talented and very young and i think if they continue to build this team the falcons could be a competitive team in the near future obviously they have a lot of work to do and hiring a head coach has to be their first thought as dan quinn just wasn't the guy but if they don't get their their perfect head coach a young head coach who's going to rebuild this roster a new general manager, I think this Falcons team is going to be in a really tough situation. I'm gonna take a quick break. When I come back, the Dodgers take on the Rays in game six of the World Series. Stay tuned. The Dodgers and the Rays could potentially end the World Series tonight with the Dodgers leading three to two, going into game six. Dodgers have the opportunity to clinch the World Series with a win. Welcome back to Up for Debate. I'm your host, Kate Reed. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And make sure you tune in every single weekday. We're all bringing you the most debatable content in all of sports, only on KJAC Radio and the KJAC Sports Spotify app. So make sure you guys check out KJAC Sports on Spotify if you haven't already. I want to jump right in with the World Series game six. Now, Game six of the World Series is going to be the most important game for the Tampa Bay Rays. If they end up losing this game, they're out of the series. They're out of the playoffs and the Dodgers win the World Series. But if they somehow can manage to beat the Dodgers and force a game seven, well, we've got ourselves a series again. Pitching tonight is Blake Snell and Tony Gonsolin. And Blake Snell is one of the best players on this Rays roster. So it's exactly who they want on the field. During this potential game clinching game for the Dodgers. Now, Blake Snell has been incredible throughout his career, but he really didn't have the best last couple of years. But this year, he has really stepped back into the role that we saw when he won the Cy Young Award. His 3.24 ERA has been consistent, and he's been consistently good through the postseason as well. In his one outing this season, he only in, in the World Series, he only gave up a couple of runs, but really did a great job of limiting the hits, only giving up two hits, one of which being a home run. But Blake Snell, who has pitched tremendously through the postseason, is coming up against Tony Gonslin, who I don't think is really as prepared as Snell is for this big-time game. Now This big time game is only possible because Clayton Kershaw won a very important game five. With a 2-2 series tie, Clayton Kershaw pitched a gem of an outing, only giving up two earned runs through 5.2 innings alongside six strikeouts. On the other side, Tyler Glasnow wasn't quite as good. Through five innings, he gave up four earned runs, but the bullpens held both of these teams in check the rest of the game. Now, if the Rays want to win and they want to win the World Series, they're going to need to have better innings than just the third inning from the last game. Now, obviously, they scored only two points against the Dodgers in that 4-2 loss. And if they want to win in game six, that's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it only scoring two points against a Dodgers offense that is just so dynamic, that has just been so good with Mookie Betts, with Corey Seeger playing completely out of his mind. There's so many talented players on this team, top to bottom, and if the Rays want to win, they have to outscore the Dodgers offense. And I know that sounds super obvious, but the Dodgers offense is going to put points on the board regardless of the pitching staff of the Rays. So the Dodgers, although we know that they have such a talented, such a good pitching staff and such a good batting lineup, the Rays are really going to have to step up from what they did last game. Randy Rosarina has still been incredible with an RBI single in the last game, but other players are going to have to step up. A Rosarina who's had nine home runs through the postseason, has been an absolute superstar, isn't able to carry his team on his own. He's going to need some help from some players who haven't really performed all that well this postseason. Willie Adamez hasn't been the best, only hitting 145 on the postseason with no home runs and only a couple of RBIs. So, this team hasn't really been getting the most out of all of their players. They've been getting a lot out of a few, but going into game six, everybody needs to step up. Every single player needs to step up for this race team because, quite frankly, If they wanna win the World Series, they're not going to to win it only scoring two runs in game six. Two runs isn't going to cut it. And Blake Snell is gonna have a good pitching outing. I believe he's going to do well tonight and hold this Dodgers offense to only a couple of runs, but the Rays need to understand that the Dodgers are going to put runs on the board. And if the Dodgers put runs on the board and the Rays can't capitalize and they can't take advantage of the pitching staff for the Dodgers, And we're gonna have a lot of issues for the Rays as far as their postseason opportunities go. Now, if the Rays wanna win this World Series, they will have to win the next two games. And although I think this game is very winnable with Tony Gonsolin being the starting pitcher, the next game, game seven, if they do make it to game seven will be a much more difficult experience. I believe Walker Bueller will be the starting pitcher coming out. They'll also have Clayton Kershaw and other players able to come out during game seven if they very much need. Now, it does provide the opportunity for Clayton Kershaw to blow another World Series lead, but putting the best guy on the, on the field and, and having the best team possible is exactly what this Dodgers team needs. And in game six, I don't think they force their guys out there. I think they try to win this game naturally and try to keep their guys rested for game seven if they potentially need to go there. Because if they go into game seven and there's no more Walker Bueller and there's no more Clayton Kershaw to pitch, well, who do they go with? I know there's guys on this Dodgers roster, but the guys that you really wanna see in this game seven, if it does get to a game seven, of course, if it does get to a game seven, there's no guarantee that the Rays win tonight. But I do think with Blake Snell on the mound, they do have a much higher chance. But as far as game seven goes, if the Dodgers do a good job resting their guys tonight, Tampa Bay is going to have a hard time going up against some superstar pitchers like Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. And the Rays, on the other hand, they don't really have the the rested pitchers like the Dodgers will be able to. The Dodgers don't have to put out their best staff tonight because, quite frankly, this game isn't a must win for the Dodgers. Now, obviously, closing out the series and winning now would be uh, the best case scenario for the Dodgers. But if they can keep their arms healthy and keep the game seven possibility, uh, which is still there alive and understand that if they get to that game seven, they need to win that game. This game six is losable. They can lose game six without any issues. Obviously it would make this series much more difficult. It would mean a winner go home final in game seven of the world series. But I mean, that's all, that's what we all want to see anyways. We all want to see a game seven. We all want to see Clayton Kershaw go out there and potentially blow another World Series. Now, obviously, I want to see Clayton Kershaw go out there and pitch perfectly. I think he's earned it. He's been such a great pitcher throughout his career. I think one World Series performance where he really steps up and pitches above and beyond is what he deserves. Now, if that doesn't come into fruition and the Rays end up losing uh, game six and the Dodgers end up winning it there, I think the MVP of this series has to be Corey Seager. Corey Seager has been an absolute stud all year long, and has really stepped up during this postseason. He's got 344 batting average. He's hit eight home runs and 19 RBIs, and he's really been keeping up with Randy Arozarena all postseason long. So, even though Randy Arozarena has been a superstar for the Rays, the Dodgers have had Corey Seager to combat that, and offensively he has stepped up to the plate. Now, the Dodgers do want to win this game six, but I expect the Rays to force a game seven with Blake Snell pitching tonight. Now, that's going to do it for Up for Debate today. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Make sure you tune in every single weekday. we bring you the most debatable content in all of sports, only on the KJAC Sports Podcast on Spotify. That's going to do it. Make sure to follow me on social media at the underscore Kade Reed, and I will see you guys next time.